Welcome to the 1515, a 15-minute podcast brought to you by the regulatory legal experts at the Maples Group. Here, you will learn more about the latest developments in the regulatory laws of the Cayman Islands on the 15th day of every month. Welcome back to the January 2024 edition of the 1515, provided by the regulatory group at Maples and Calder, the podcast that each month provides you with everything you need with respect to Cayman Islands regulatory developments. I hope you've all managed at least a bit of a break over the festive period and are now full of enthusiasm for what may be in store for the new regulatory year ahead. 2024 promises to be an exciting one. My name is Adam Huckle, a partner in the regulatory and financial services team here at Maples, and I'm joined today by another partner in that team, Tim Dawson, who is going to give us a rundown on three important topics that are the current watchwords in this new year as part of the update since our November edition. News on the removal of the Cayman Islands from the EU's list of non-cooperative tax jurisdictions, beneficial ownership and transparency, and AML compliance. But before we get going, just some light housekeeping to cover. Please note, that as usual, the contents of this podcast do not constitute legal advice and should be taken as a general update only. If listening in from your usual podcast app, you'll find any resource documents and speaker information in the description. And if you've clicked on the media player link sent to you via email, you can find this information in the notes section. Last but not least, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. First of all, the news from the EU. This sounds like very welcome and positive news for the jurisdiction, doesn't it? Can you run us through this and the detail, please, Tim? Sure. I mean, not a huge amount of detail. So on 15th of December last year, the Cayman Ministry of Financial Services and Commerce released a statement confirming that the Cayman Islands government had been informed that the EU Commission has published a delegated regulation regarding the removal of the Cayman Islands from the EU AML list. And that's the first step towards Cayman's delisting from the EU AML list. This is consistent with what was understood would result from the removal of the Cayman Islands from the FATF's ongoing monitoring list. So that's great. In addition to that, at the beginning of December, the UK government officially removed the Cayman Islands from its list of high-risk countries for AML, CFT and CPF purposes. This all results from the last round of uh, FATF mutual valuations and as I mentioned the kind of removal of Cayman Islands from the ongoing monitoring list once it had completed all the remediation requirements which stemmed from the mutual evaluation that had taken place a few years before. Now moving to our next topic which is updates to the beneficial ownership regime, one reason for this, one of the drivers for this is looking ahead to the next round of mutual evaluations carried out by the FATF or, or, or in the case of the Cayman Islands, the Caribbean Financial Action Task Force. There have been new rules published by the FATF or new guidance with respect to what beneficial ownership regimes should look like and this is now kind of being implemented in, in the Cayman Islands. Additionally, the Cayman Islands is responding to its commitments to the UK with respect to public registers of beneficial owners. To remind all our listeners, we do of course already have a beneficial ownership register regime, so so what we're talking about now is changes to that. The Beneficial Ownership Transparency Act was actually passed in December. It's not yet law, but amongst other things, what it did was consolidate the Beneficial Ownership Register regime into one act. Previously, this had been spread across a number of different laws. It's going to be extending compliance requirements to partnerships, and it's going to require certain new data fields. 
Just worth talking about a couple of changes to the law from the bill, because there were a couple of changes made in, in committee. One change, which is quite interesting, which stems directly from the FACF's own guidance, is that a senior managing official is no longer part of the definition of a beneficial owner. Previously, the definition of beneficial owner stemmed firstly from someone who had sufficient economic control or, or otherwise controlled a, a given entity, and senior managing official was a limb of that definition. What the FATF is now saying, okay, fine, you don't always have a quote-unquote beneficial owner. If you don't have a beneficial owner, then you need to nominate a quote-unquote senior managing official. It's slightly case of semantics, but what you have now is a situation where you're always going to have to nominate someone. It may be that you don't have a quote-unquote beneficial owner, but you're always going to have to have a contact person. Another change to the law was that the definition which applies to trustees has been simplified, albeit we'll still need to work through coming guidance and pay heed to coming regulations to determine exactly how you identify beneficial owner in a trust context. Another change in drafting may be purely semantical. It may actually lead to changes in enforcement, whereas previously there was a requirement for legal entities to provide particulars as soon as those required. Particulars have been confirmed. Now you have to inform the corporate service provider in writing as soon as those particulars have been confirmed. So in other words, rather than provide the particulars, you have to inform the service provider. I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to lead to a change in practice, but it may do. Nevertheless, for whatever reason, it was felt that the drafting of the law had been changed. More importantly, and stemming from what I was discussing before, the ability to lodge a nil return where there has been no identified beneficial owner has been removed. So even if you don't identify a quote-unquote beneficial owner, you always have to name someone as a contact, so that'll be a senior managing official. So that, together with the fact that partnerships are in scope and there are new fields to be gathered means that there's going to have to be effectively a backfill of every single Cayman Islands entity. So this is going to be a major project for the coming year. There is an alternative route for compliance for regulated funds who can opt to nominate either their Cayman Islands administrator or another licensed entity to basically hold their beneficial ownership information and provide it on demand. Beneficial ownership information, to remind you, in this context is at the vehicle level and the threshold is 25%. So if you have a fund with no one meeting the beneficial ownership threshold, then effectively what that means is you'd be nominating someone to provide information on demand if requested by, by an authority. And if you had no quote-unquote beneficial owners, you're just going to be providing the identity of a senior managing official. We're still waiting for guidance and regulations. And when this comes out, I think you'll find that industry will be starting in earnest to collect this information. The commitment to the UK is that, well, I think in response to commitment to the UK is all of this will be implemented, including data collection, at least by the end of this year. If you can, start thinking about in your structures who, who's likely to be a beneficial owner. Once we have rules and guidance, we will be able to advise with more certainty, but nevertheless, um, you know, probably want to start turning your mind to. The other point I mentioned at the top is that the Act provides for public registers of beneficial ownership. The government's still thinking about plans to provide access to members of the public who meet a legitimate interest test. So that'll be people genuinely seeking information to prevent or combat money laundering, terrorist financing. That public register is also anticipated to be introduced in the Cayman Islands by no later than Q4 2024, in line with that commitment to the UK. So I, th I think that's uh, all we have as an update right now. Um, we're, we're anticipating a lot of work this year to get all of our clients uh, compliant. So if you have any questions, do please reach out to us. Thanks, Tim. That's, that's really interesting. And I've, as far as I'm aware, there's been a new update or a new SEMA supervisory circular in relation to AML compliance, has there not? 
There has. Now, this is, is something of a codification or an explanation, maybe is a better way of putting it, of, of SEMA's processes for carrying out AML and CFT inspections and the remediation process. We've added the link to SEMA's circular as, as part of this podcast. You know, I, I don't think this will be any mystery to, to anyone who's been through a SEMA inspection process before in, 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 in terms of the actual process. I, I think what's really key out of this document is there's basically a do's and don'ts table with respect to how to progress the remediation and, and examples, for instance. So SEMA is saying that what is quote unquote more effective is that there is a clear point of contact at the particular entity to whom communications are sent and, and you know, who will be corresponding with, with the SEMA kind of remediation team. In, in contrast, clearly SEMA's had instances of, of entities where there hasn't been a clear point of contact and there've been conflicting emails from different people. So, you know, it sounds obvious, but if you are going to go through an inspection process, then this circular will set out how it's going to work. And as I say, you've basically got a little do's and don'ts a box for you to think about how to structure your remediation process and how you staff it. But you know, if you do get pinged for an inspection, then do by all means reach out to one of us as we've we've often helped with these. Many thanks again, Tim. That just leaves me to wrap up by thanking Tim for taking the time out of his busy day to participate and to wish all of our listeners a very happy and prosperous new year and to thank you all for listening and subscribing tune in next time